Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. One of our own joining us today, the host of Locked On Chiefs, Brian Tracy. We'll get into what's going on in Kansas City, including the massive payday for quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Could be worth near, oh, just a half a billion dollars. What has to go right for that team to repeat as Super Bowl champions? Reminder that you can find this show and all of the programs on the network like Locked On Chiefs on all of your favorite podcast apps. Let a friend know that their team is covered right here daily on the network. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. And with that, let's bring on today's guest. Joining us today on Locked On NFL is the co-host of Locked On Chiefs, Ryan Tracy. Ryan, I got to start out with this. First, thank you so much for joining the show today. We're talking Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs, but I want to rewind a little bit to Super Bowl 53. Wait, was it 53? Basically between 54. Between March and December, I never remember what Super Bowl number we're on. I hate that (laughs) format. Um, And I definitely can't tell you what the Roman numeral is for any Super Bowl. But Super Bowl 53, the teams we cover, 49ers and Chiefs. At what point in the Super Bowl did you believe that Patrick Mahomes, through a couple picks, was going to bring the Chiefs back when there was 10 minutes to go, Niners up 10? Did you think it was over at any point? I have learned, um, and and previously in the postseason especially, that it's never over with this kid. Um, I was concerned uh, when that one just kind of floated away from him, uh, where you could clearly tell that he didn't see the defender coming. I think it was Fred Warner that got that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he didn't seem to have any recollection, I was a little concerned. And then they cut to him on the sideline a couple of seconds later, and he's pumping everybody up. Like he knew he had made the mistake, and he personally was able to recover from it and put it aside, you know, like a corner does who just got beat. I was really impressed with that. And I was like, okay, this isn't over. They have talent. Can they put it together? And um, I was pleasantly, I won't say surprised, but. Uh, it all worked out. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, the 49ers needed to score more, man. You can't score 20 points. It's not enough against the Kansas City Chiefs. We learned that, and... I don't want to interfere the oh, sure. Niner Chief memory lane love fest going on, <laughs> but I do think it's a great example of... It doesn't matter the team, but especially a Mahomes or even a Watson or any of those type of guys. If you're on the field too long playing defense this league, you're doomed. I mean, too much defense is the problem. It it just, I I believe that thoroughly. They're going to get figured out. You're going to get tired and it's over. Yeah, that's the way the league is going. You got to score points and the Chiefs are on the forefront of that wave and they just paid their quarterback accordingly $477 million over the course of the next 12 years through 2031. Uh, their incentives to, you know, if he wins MVP every year and goes to the Super Bowl every year, you get $500 million potentially. But I have a feeling, Ryan, you're about to tell us that uh, that's a fictitious number because there's no way we're going to see the end of that contract. Is that correct? I don't feel so. Um, there is definitely an out there. Uh, the cap number goes up to just under $60 million in 2027. So that year before, in twenty by 2025, they should be negotiating. By 2026, they should have a new extension done to kind of wipe that out. Unless we just see exponential growth where the cap the cap would have to top, what, 320 to even make that a feasible number. And if we do see that kind of growth, there is an outside chance, maybe 2%, that you could see that stick past that. But I really do feel that we, we will see another extension. 
Was there any outs for the Mahomes side in this contract? Because it's pretty easy to see where before that 2027, $49 million roster bonus or whatever it is, that would be where the Chiefs want to change things. Is there an out for Mahomes? Not necessarily. I mean, it is rolling guarantees that kick in every other season. So the team has the option there. They're they're in a situation now, and they've spoke about it um, on their presser this week about how they're in concert about where they're going. So I think unless something acrimonious happens, I don't feel that they're going to have to exercise or do anything strange to try to get out of it. But as I understand it, it's a very long contract with a couple of clauses in there that aren't public yet, that there may be something he could do if he really had to. Ryan, do you agree that this contract is startling but not surprising? Yeah, I mean... uh, Surprising in a couple of ways, and I'll tell you exactly what they are, because I had been saying through the offseason that I figured it was somewhere on average in between 40 and 45, so that certainly wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, given his accomplishments, I can't say if you're going to do a contract of this length, which is the surprising part for me, you can't say that that's really out of scope, but 10 years is a big deal. Honestly, when you realize he had two still left on the rookie deal, we're talking 12 more years under contract, and then... That surprised me as well as the part that they really scheduled it pretty well. He doesn't break over. He actually makes less money than Russ Wilson for the next three seasons. And that is all going back to the discussion about how can you field a team that's still dynamic and still championship caliber when you pay the quarterback that much. I thought that was a really interesting way that they accomplished it. And I think that is going to help them. I think that leads me to Chris Jones then too. I mean, it doesn't seem far fetched to be able to keep him around for a, you know, a worthwhile long term deal as a top ten type defender. Yeah, I mean, I, it's certainly in the possibility now, especially if they were generally not apt to do longer contracts for um, guys that they have made push to the end of their existing contract. So, Chiefs are probably thinking more three four year range. I'm sure Chris would like more, but especially that I think you can do and try to keep him motivated. Uh, We've heard back and forth about how well he plays um, in the past in college, et cetera, uh, when he's not pushed, when he's not well motivated. So I think that's part of the equation. I still think that they can get that done initially, see how he plays afterwards. They feel a little snake bit from Justin Houston, who once he got paid, his performance dropped off pretty precipitously. So I think there's a little bit of hesitation, but I don't see why it can't happen. Would you say it's more likely Chris Jones is around in two years than, say, Sammy Watkins and maybe even Frank Clark? More than Sammy Watkins, yes. Definitely not in the case of Frank Clark. Uh, This team wants Frank Clark. In fact, he fits so well into what they want to do. It's because they want an emotional leader, somebody they can step out forward, that can inspire, and they feel they have that in Tyron Matthew. I feel like he's really turned himself around through his career and he's definitely living up to what they projected for him. And they want Frank to be the guy that pushes everybody else in the front and does the dirty work and keeps everybody angry, keeps everybody pushing harder uh, because that's something that they've lacked very noticeably in the last few years is an edge to their defender. Somebody that's got that kind of grunt to them. Um, And Chris Jones is kind of a jovial type personality. So he doesn't really fit that mold. So by keeping Chris, it doesn't mean that they're going to be happy to let Frank go. Ryan, this construction of the team almost mirrors exactly the Bill Polian, Peyton Manning era where you pay Manning a ton, you draft first-round guys around them, you know, skilled dudes, even Dallas Clark and die and Gonzalez, let alone Wayne and Harrison and Edge, and 
you get two guys maybe on the defense that can rush the passer and you know you're going to have a massive home field advantage with the noise and you know you're going to put up a ton of uh, points and Peyton and Mahomes are going to keep you in the 30s every game and linebackers will probably come and go and guards will probably come and go. But you have the core and you have a real basic, obvious philosophy. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think we're going to drift more towards, I feel, value rather than what the Chiefs have done before in the last few seasons with Brett Veach's draft for fit, not Mm -hmm. necessarily position of need, but fit within the defense. And I think now you're going to see almost a New England type mentality of moving back out of the first round, you know, especially if you can project them picking in the top, you know, 24 back for the next multiple years moving back makes sense they haven't done that yet I think that's going to be a shift in personality but they have to stay younger and you're right the revolving door uh, at linebacker along the front and I think you're going to see a transition that's the thing I think Chris Jones is really apt for is um, the speed that the ball comes out in today's league I think the interior pass rushers if you can penetrate the a gap and make a difference, that's what they're going to want to do. So I think the scouting is going to change a little bit, and you're going to see different priorities for this team. I think you're right. I mean, I think you'd rather have Jones and Clark in today's NFL than Freeney and Mathis. I agree. Yeah. Do you think that the speed of quarterbacks, more athletic quarterbacks, though, would point to having more athleticism on the edge, guys that can chase because you push the pocket if you have nobody there to chase down that quarterback and they escape out the side? Maybe that points to fast linebackers, fast edge guys, too. So I've gone back and forth with that. And we've talked this out a ton with the 49ers who replaced DeForest Buckner with Javon Kinlaw. And uh, I know it's important to have interior defensive linemen, but I struggle with that idea. Interior edge guys, it's really hard. And those interior contracts are, are coming way up, too, in the NFL. And you can't pay everybody first round money and so uh it gets really difficult to to try to figure out which positions you want to pay because even the positions traditionally that were paid less interior offensive line interior defensive line safety those numbers are coming up now tight end as well yeah absolutely and and i agree with you i can understand why that that seems a little bit out of sorts especially when, when you're talking about not having enough talent to contain but i think it comes back to what we're seeing in general a trend of playing more nickel playing more dime you're going to rely on your isaiah simmons types they can play safety, but can come up and get in the box and can be that guy that chases down a Deshaun Watson if he breaks the pocket, that kind of thing. I think general trend toward athleticism in anything but the front four is what's going to counteract some of that. And I think we're going to see that trend continue as well. I know Matt has a question for you, fantasy football related. I'm pretty interested in a couple of players for the fantasy football season in 2020 as well. And I want to talk about the remade defensive backfield. More Ryan Tracy, Locked on Chiefs coming up. Folks, I got to admit, I am not very handy. I don't know a lot about cars. I respect people that do. And frankly, I'm very envious because, I mean, the money you can save with a product like rockauto.com and being able to do things yourself and create the exact car you want is something that I would love. I mean, I'm, I just don't have that skill set to be honest with you. And rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for your auto and body parts needs from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to fall, you know, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. 
Whether it's your classic or daily driver, you get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. So go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear us box so they know that we sent you. That'll help us a great deal. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Okay, Matt, I don't I think this is a good spot for you to drop your fantasy football question. I was having a tough time with this one. There's nobody better to come with this than Ryan Tracy. So while we have him here, do you want to drop that question on him? Absolutely. I am on the clock. 1402 in the Scott Fishbowl, and I am torn between Sammy Watkins and Michael Hardman. Who am I taking? Make the call. I, I Do it live what, on the air. Live on air, man. That is a tough one. Just you know, put the anvils on each shoulder. I get it. Um, <laughs> I'll let you know in ten week, you know, week ten or so. If you're screwed <laughs> right. up. Yeah, right. When Twitter, we played the right. first game, um, <laughs> <laughs> I it's that's a great one because I feel like clearly they want to get. McColl a little bit farther along. Um, sites have been site reads and making adjustments has been a bit of a challenge. We've seen what he can do when he's uh, given an opportunity. He is explosive when he gets the ball in his hands. It's about getting to that catch point. And I think the nice thing is that you saw, especially, sorry, Brian, in that Super Bowl, what Sammy Watkins was able to do is that's going to pull coverage back towards Sammy some. And in the end, I think the guy that takes the bigger step forward is going to be Hardman this year. And unless there's an injury to Tyree Kill, I, I think everybody's going to be about even in terms of the three wide receivers. So mm -hmm. uh, it's a toss-up. And I think injury-wise, there's a little concern with Sammy. And growth-wise, there's a little concern with Hardman. I'd probably go with the veteran just because it's me. So um, if I failed you on that one, um, hit me up week 12. It's a tough call, but I'll <laughs> let you know if you got it wrong. Okay. <laughs> uh, tell us about the rookie. First-round draft pick, Clyde edwards Hilaire shocked a few people. Uh, that receiving ability, though, is what stood out, and I'm sure was the reason why he was the running back out of the entire class that was tabbed by Kansas City at the end of round one. Um, whether it's fantasy football or just reality here on the field, how does the rookie plug in here with that Chiefs offense? Because uh, I, don't, I thought Super Bowl MVP might have been Damian Williams. See, and that's what a lot of folks have already forgotten, and I agree with you there. And I think what it comes back to is, fit versus opportunity and you said it right the fit is nearly perfect i honestly can't think of a back mated to an offense combination in the last several drafts that has been that perfect the question is going to be damien's there and damien does things well damien's availability is not the best he has missed games in multiple years for quite a long time most of his career uh, when he is back, he's sometimes sluggish coming off of some of those. So there's a bit of that concern. I do think it's a 1A, 1B situation to start with. But the other difference is when you look at the pass game specifically, Damian does well in the swings and the flats in the wheels, things where he can get outside the pressure. The thing that I think the Chiefs see and the thing that I love about Clyde Edwards-Alaire's game is playing between the stripes, getting between the hashes on arrows, on those little drags underneath, things that, quite frankly, because of his size, can go overlooked and get him one-on-one -on -one with a linebacker that he can actually get away from, make miss. It's not the days of Kareem Hunt where he's going to survive contact and, and bruise through it. It's going to be making guys miss there between the hash marks. And I think that's when you, again, when you think about the coverage having to deal with Sammy uh, Tyreek, Hardman, Travis, that's the area as coverage is 
play deeper as we see more cover four, which I expect this season. Uh, I think that's the spot they can make a lot of hay in. We were kind of talking team building in the first segment. And I, there was one other thing I wanted to throw out is I think the Chiefs are going to be the new team in the league that will you will see you know, veteran free agents taking 75 cents on the dollar to come play with. I mean, I want to play with Mahomes. I want to get a ring. We've seen it with New England over the years. Awesome fan base. Great home field advantage to play at. Fun town to be in. You know, like, I think they might have an easier time filling out that roster with veterans than people think. I happen to agree with you. In fact, Sammy Watkins has talked about it. I think it was just yesterday um, that – just that difference. He had a chance to go out and make more money. He came back on a reduced salary specifically for that. And and his, I can't quote him. I don't have it up in front of me, but the gist is why would I want to go be a thousand yard receiver on a bad team when I can come back here? My family's paid well enough that I'm in good shape yeah. and I'd rather be the second fiddle and win championships. That's where he's at. I agree with you. And I don't, I don't know that I rule out seeing, Uh, The phenomenon we saw in New England for a while where 75 cents on the dollar is enough for a chance to play with Mahomes and have a shot at a Super Bowl again. And um, just like we saw with Cam ending up there, that was a little bit more drawn out than I actually expected. But we could see similar things happen where you get talented players at the end of their career coming to Kansas City for one more shot. Mm -hmm. I want to take a look at we've talked about the front seven with the Kansas City Chiefs, and, and they did add one more piece, Willie Gay Jr., in the second round of the draft. Legereus Sneed, another defensive back who played some safety last year at Louisiana Tech. I think he fits better at corner. I'm not sure exactly where the Chiefs figure on putting him, but really a revamped secondary. I loved Juan Thornhill last year. He looked really good before getting hurt in his rookie season. Uh, Tyrell Matthew, do-it-all player. Uh, what is that outlook of the defense? If they're able to bring Chris Jones back, how much better can they be? Because I think that's an underrated part of their football team right now going forward and Ryan just to take it a step further do you think William Gay Jr. factors in I mean I think he's got a long way to go and this shortened offseason doesn't help him no it doesn't but I will I agree with you that the shortened offseason doesn't help him but I don't think it precludes him from playing I'm not sure he's going to walk in and be a day one starter there's a lot of talk about that I think where it really comes into is about I say a quarter of the season through uh, when he's gotten a little bit of a taste of the speed in playing in sub packages, I think he will be the nickel starter next to Anthony Hitchens just based on physical capability alone. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs don't have a coverage linebacker. Uh, Anthony Hitchens is the closest. Oh, thing it's they bad. Have. Yeah, it is. And so just that fact, I think, will allow them to kind of push him along a little bit. I don't know about playing Will in the base. They don't play a whole lot of base, so I'm not terribly concerned about that. But his ability to get deep, I mean, they even spoke about, you know, 12 to 15-yard drops. That's way more range than they've had out of the linebacker core in quite a while. And I think that will push him into the lineup eventually. Um, As far as the secondary, I think I personally watch a lot of Sneed tape. Uh, He was actually the top of the line um, in – the safety group for the athletic matrix because he's so quick. Uh, he does have lateral agility as well. And that's why his film was actually better as a corner. I agree with you, Brian. And he played some nickel. He really did it all shifting to safety. I thought was more of a mental exercise that rounded out his game. And I think when you look at him, he's a taller, slightly faster version, uh, certainly heavier 
of Tyron Matthew. He can come down and play in the nickel. He can play outside and press. He's got great long levers. And he can run back and play safety if they need to, either in the event of an injury like we saw uh, with Kendall Fuller going back there when Juan Thornhill got hurt, or just to be able to disguise what they're doing. Um, versatility has been a, a word Andy Reid has used for a very long time on the offensive line, and it's now drifting to the secondary because they want to be able to give you looks where you don't know what's coming. They invert a lot of coverages, as we saw last year. They're going to play around with the secondary quite a bit. It's interesting because more and more teams around the league, and if offenses are going to be really multiple and there's going to be some positionless football and lines being blurred between what a tight end is, what a big slot is, what a wide receiver running back is, that has to happen on the defensive side of the ball as well. And I think we're starting to see that. And I think it's smart of the Chiefs to add those types of players. Another one in Sneed this year. They already have one of the best in Tyron Matthew as well. So that is definitely one of the directions this league's going. Yeah, I, I agree. And the coaching staff in particular is very much, I think Spagnuolo taking some time off from the league has really refreshed him in terms of thinking outside the box. And he's able to pass off the, the front four duties to Brennan Daly. Uh, and you might see a, a mush rush and a mush coverage where you don't know and you can try to confuse, especially the quarterbacks that are in the AFC West that they have to contend with. There's going to be a lot of effort to confuse. What about the rest of the West? Any upstarts ready to overtake Kansas City for the top spot there? And what about future head coach and current Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy? Next. Ryan, last couple nuggets I have for you is I just want our listeners to know, you probably are aware, Kansas City was at the top of the league in special teams last year. I mean, it's just one more phase that people often overlook. They also played one of the most difficult schedules in the league when it was all said and done. I mean, so <laughs> it might only get a little easier, if anything, which is crazy. But we all know Andy Reid's a great coach, and he's super well-known for coming out of buys and just destroying opponents. But I don't know if our fan base, yours probably realizes this, the Chiefs are 27-3 and in the division over the last five years. That's one of the most remarkable stats that no one talks about in the NFL. Yeah, and it all comes back. You know, take care of your house first. And they've yeah. done a very good job in the lead up to this. And, and like you said, last five years, that goes back to the Alex Smith days. Uh, they've been able to take over this division in a way that hasn't been uh, necessarily a lot of glamour and lights, but has been very consistent. And Andy owns them now. I think there's a healthy oh. competition. Um. John Gruden in particular, I know he and Andy talk pretty pretty often, and I know that there are some specific moves in this draft made specifically to try to keep up with the speed that the Chiefs put on the field. I do feel that this AFC West is a pretty um, well-stocked, at least to try to push for competing with the Chiefs, though. It's Which team that, do you fear most? If you, you can, don't say none. Right now, it's the Raiders for me. Uh, I, I feel like Gruden might be able to get more out of car with better weapons. I feel like they added a couple of things on defense at their linebacker group to try and get something done in the middle against Travis Kelsey, who's been eating them up lately. Um, I do feel like if they can put it together, I, I think they'll be pushing. I think it's interesting that whether it's the Raiders or the Broncos, as much as trying to defend the Chiefs, they're almost saying, well, look, let's we, we can't really stop them, so let's score more and let's add some speed. And uh, I've seen an influx of a ton of speed on the outside, maybe mimicking the Chiefs' offense more than trying to stop it. Yeah, I agree with you. It feels, honestly, the last 
two offseason um, free agency periods and this last draft in particular feel that not only in the division, but a couple of other places across the league that have to compete with this team are definitely trying to make sure that they're able to keep up offensively uh, as best they can, maybe for forsaking the defense a little bit, which may come back to bite them. I mean, there's obviously more quarterback questions with those other three teams, but I think there's gonna be a lot of track meets in the AFC West in the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just don't get your, your starter hurt because if you can't throw an accurate ball, uh, everybody's going to be falling behind rather quickly. Do you have any up close takes from watching the rookie season of Drew Locke? Is that a guy that you think could be the dude there in that division for a while uh, behind Patrick Mahomes, obviously? That's a very good question. And unfortunately, um, when we saw him play Kansas City, not a very good game to be a barometer. But when I see other games and I do live in Colorado, so I get to see them locally. uh, For me, it stands out that it was a tough situation that I thought he made the most of. I really want to see how they've held him along in terms of a dedicated quarterback coach who's going to actually take the reins and develop him specifically into this offense. And again, this offseason being what it's been, uh, I think he might be slowed down a little bit, but I do think he has a good couple of years in him to get a chance to be that perennial starter. I have one more question about the coaching staff. Um, do you think Eric Bieniemy was passed over for a head coaching job? Do you think next year is the year that he gets it? And I'm watching the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter, and it was Eric Bieniemy who was taking the reins and, and making those calls. How does that work with Reed and Bieniemy? Is it Reed during the week putting together the game plan and then letting Eric Bieniemy make some calls on Sundays? Uh, how does that offense work with the coordinator and the head coach? I mean, everything comes down to Andy Reid, but there has been a lot of noise lately about input from not only coaches, but from players as well. Uh, and what we saw, like you you mentioned, I think it was turning point that really showed it out that uh, yeah. that big play to Tyreek Hill, the wasp. But Patrick had to come over and make sure that he had the things lined up to be in the situation to have the time to run it. And he asked that question of the enemy, like you said, that then gets relayed to coach it's relayed upstairs. There's a, a good communication, but it's become that Eric Bieniemy is the centerpiece of that communication to the quarterback, and I think that's significant. I feel like he has influenced the way they run a little bit, uh, maybe not the volume that they run, which I would still like to see more of, and maybe we'll get that with uh, Clyde Edwards-Lair. But I think Eric Bieniemy, this is likely his last season. I don't, I can't say that he was passed over for any jobs last year because I don't know what the interview process is. But he he had a shot to be a head coach at the college ranks and passed on that rather quickly. And I think that was smart. I think he is a motivator of men. He is inspirational. I think he is a guy that you want to have out front to rally 53 guys or 45 on game day or whatever it turns out to be because of who he is. Um, if you ever go to training camp uh, up in St. Joe, you can hear him three fields away. It's it's great. He's an old school guy in terms of the way that he performs his duties on the field, but he is very well thought out, and I think he's got the mind to be a head coach very successfully. Uh, I hope that it lasts longer, but I think this is going to be it. I mean, maybe this is pie in the sky for Chiefs fans, but what if the Hunts went to him and him and Andy Reid and Mahomes, they all had a powwow and said, Hang out, learn. You're the successor. Andy's going to be here two, three more years. You know, that would be like the ideal team to take over. Yeah, it might be, except for the fact that, I, in fact, Andy was asked this the other day in the presser. I don't leave it either. Yeah, 70's <laughs> not out of the realm of possibility for Andy Reid. Um, he's 62 at this point. 
So we're talking to, he feels like, and he acts like he's a decade younger than he did a couple of years ago. So I don't know that three or four years is going to be the limit for him. I, I can see 70 and Andy Reid very easily. And that puts him past that 2026 renegotiation point that we talked about earlier. So uh, a big part of that is coaching Patrick Mahomes and the things that you're able to do, the maturity level that he has and being able to put in complexities that maybe would have taken another quarterback two, three seasons to be to the point of. So, uh, I won't put it past him at all, but I also know that the organization likes Eric Bieniemy in a way that is pretty unique. Uh, nothing against Doug Peterson or Matt Nagy or anybody else, but they feel like he could be uh, the heir apparent. I just don't think they're going to ask him to hang on. I think Eric will get a shot uh, at another team to be their leader. Uh, and we all know teams that are looking for head coaches don't necessarily have the best roster that you can win with. So it will be a challenge for him. When Andy does decide to go, he will be at the top of their list. It is the best job in the league right now, though. Yeah, that what is. What can you do? Yeah, it's a good. It's a good job. It has an extra hop <laughs> in your step when you're winning Super Bowls and you have uh, a team put together that could do that for quite a while. So yeah, nice place to be. A nice club to be a fan of in Kansas City. That is Ryan Tracy. He is the host of Locked On Chiefs. You can find him on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL. Ryan, do you want to tell our listeners anything about Rogue Analytics? Anything else you got going on, or when your band might be playing again next? Oh, sure. Yeah. Hey, Rogue Analytics is what I do over there is all based on analytics of athleticism. It is putting together, um, I call it the next evolution or three or four evolutions of Spark. It's a way to put it all together and get an idea of a player functionally on the field without having to have them put on a, a practice field. It has really paid off over the years. It's something that, I, that I'm working quite a bit on. Um, you can find everything over on RGR Football on YouTube. Uh, we do a lot of content over there as well. And uh, the band was supposed to be playing a big festival this weekend. We're on hiatus until this COVID thing's over. Yeah, not many bands doing many things right now. It's rough for the music industry right now. It really is. But we'll be back. If you're in Colorado, come find us. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Really appreciate the time, man. And for you listeners out there, Matt Williams is going on vacation. He might have already left. I'm not sure if he's still even hanging on to this conversation, but I will be hosting the podcast next week with some very special co-hosts from the network. Monday, Peter Bukowski of Locked on Packers. Tuesday, we've got Lucas Braun from Locked on Vikings. Chris Carter from Locked on Steelers. Wednesday, James Rapine from Locked on Bengals. Thursday, and your boy Q, Friday from Locked on Raiders. So very special week next week. Sands, Matt Williamson. And we won't be just talking about those specific teams. We're going to be talking about the league-wide, as we do here, highlight some more of the great hosts we have on the network. Have a good trip, Matt. Pretty excited. <laughs> Come <laughs> back to- refreshed. Absolutely. Thanks again, Ryan. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Talk to you guys next week right here, Locked on NFL.